Hi, you're listening to Building Business Brands. Oh, wait, no, you're not, because by the time this airs, I'll have changed the name. Anyway, I'm Tony Gibbs, and today's guest is Christina Testana, who's here to talk about how we build emotional connections through brands. Christina, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, you're very welcome. Thanks for being here. So, for everyone listening at home, you can learn a little bit more about Christina in the show notes. But for now, let's launch right into it. Now, today we've loosely planned a chat around branding, and I say loosely, very loosely, because we don't really have a clue where it's going to go, so we'll see. And Christina suggested we discuss the emotional connections we form through brands. Great topic. Uh, Christina, out of interest, what inspired it? Uh, That's a great question. Um, What really inspired me to really talk more about the emotional side of branding is because many brands right now are really focusing on that aspect of creating emotional connections with their audience because now is basically people buy from emotion. It's nothing of the logics. They buy because of a feeling they experienced or something from their childhood. Anything of that nature really strikes them. And it's kind of something from the heart, in my opinion. And that's just where the market's been going. And for brands in general, they need to align themselves in an emotional way to speak to their ideal audience. Okay, so what we're saying is we've got to, as expert brand builders and business owners, we've got to win hearts, not minds. Correct. Okay, fantastic. Do you think it's possible for a business to form an emotional connection without a brand? That's a great question. In, in my opinion, I feel like you still need a brand around it in order to create an emotional connection because through the seven brand elements, you have to speak from your purpose, mission, vision, and then your actual brand positioning statement through to your feelings, so your tone of voice, your overall personality, your look and feel, and also how you want these individuals to feel when they associate with your brand. So I feel that all of those lining up really play a big part in trying to communicate your message and create emotion. Mm. And you think a business has to have all of those elements to convert sales, or do you think you can get away with missing one or two of them? No, I feel like that is pretty much the recipe, as we can say. And if you miss a recipe, well, there's a gap, right? Like there's something that doesn't taste right or something that's not aligning. And I feel that we need all seven of them in order to make that perfect, you know, dish. Cool. I like the food metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So, okay, let's dig a bit deeper into emotional connection. What is an emotional connection? So emotional connections for me, in my opinion, is basically connecting on a very deeper level. So it's kind of like a relationship between the brand and the audience who associate 
with that brand. And they speak to their pain points of what their problems are and how that brand can solve it for them. And really a brand is just an extension of a person behind that brand because people connect with people, not with brands. But I see a brand as an extension of yourself. So in my opinion, creating stories with your brand and formulating stories that really touch somebody in an emotional way, whether it's something that they can relate to or a transformational story that maybe they want to feel are definitely good areas to start. Nice, thanks. So when we're talking about brand being extensions of a person, out of interest, are we talking about brands becoming almost like humans or brands becoming like personal brands? I feel like it's almost like human related. I don't know why. It's just as I was really studying this past summer by rebranding myself, uh, I really started to think, okay, we're actually building like a bigger, bigger version of a person. Basically you're, you're echoing your self out to the world. That's kind of what I see. And not to say that, you know, you are your brand. It's just a, a reflection from you onto the world. That's kind of what I see. Would you say that if you've got a business that's got like more than one person in, so two, three, four plus people, it's more important, do you think, to have that human brand because there's more people behind the business, so it's less obvious who's in the business. So you need that sort of human element that you don't get otherwise in a one-to-one. Do you see what I mean? Correct. And I guess in a team environment, I would say that the team itself, each person there, they would want to believe in the same values as what the brand is communicating because everybody has to be seamless as if you were one person behind the brand. That's kind of how I see it because if there's somebody in in the team that doesn't really align with the brand, then there's going to be a little bit of a problem with communicating that because you guys want to share the same mindset. Okay. And to dig a bit deeper, why is it important, do you think, to have that same mindset around this brand? Uh, I would say because you're, you're going to be having a team of, you know, marketers, designers, you know, salespeople, they all have to speak the same language. So say if the tone of the brand is sincere, then they need to speak with honesty and trust. So if somebody in there is not in the same alignment, then the brand's going to fall a little flat because there's a gap there, right? There's something missing. So everybody has to kind of beat to the same drum. Yeah. And that goes back to sort of know, like, and trust, doesn't it? People buy from people they know and like, and trust. So if we can get everyone in a business on the same page, then they're going to trust each other more and then they're going to 
create better things. And then perhaps the end result customers will trust the business more as a result of that. So it's like a dominoes, I guess, like knocking one over to knock the other over in the distance. Yes. Cool. So this is completely out of the blue. Um, but I know for a fact that you've been on a similar journey to me this year, Christina. You've been through a bit of a journey of self-improvement, learning more, developing. I feel like we're both students, like lifelong students of brands and self-improvement at the minute. So what's the top takeaway, do you think, from your learnings this year to do with branding? Ooh, I would say to stay true to yourself and to really learn about yourself. Take the time to learn about yourself because that's how you can create an authentic brand. You're not trying to put on a mask and talk in a different way or act a different way or dress a different way. You are just being yourself and you're sharing your story. You're not making up a story or this really misfit character. You want to look interesting, but you can do that by just being yourself, in my opinion. So through the the summertime, I really took time to journal and understand myself and what my strengths were. So in my opinion, for all brands out there that are really trying to be more authentic, I'd say go back to just tuning into yourself and what you think you are known for and what are your strengths instead of trying to be something so superior and then not being able to make the promise to your own people. Brill, cheers. How difficult do you think is it to learn your strengths? I mean, I know that I have a hard time looking at the label from inside the jar, so to speak, with business stuff. So do you think it's a difficult process and it takes time or is it something you can do overnight? For me, it was a process because it is exhausting trying to take time to dig into your mind. (laughs) It's not something that is a walk in the park, in my opinion. It's more of a process where you take, you know, maybe 10 minutes of each day to just sit and meditate so that you can just clear your mind and to try and channel your higher self, as you can say, what are you looking to get out of life and what is your purpose? And there was an activity I actually did, and I'm pretty sure you know of of it. It's uh, the Ikigai exercise. No? Oh, it's it's super cool. It's a really cool activity. And uh, it's basically haunting into what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for. I do know it. Yeah, sorry. It's your pronunciation. I'm not used to it, so I didn't recognize it. Oh. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's the Japanese art, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I took some time to do that activity, and it was super fun. And it really allowed me to understand myself a bit more. And I also took some personality tests in the process to really understand what kind of a person I am, because sometimes we forget to think. And I think many people do. And if you take time to think, you'll be able to find the right path for yourself. And 
lately people haven't and people are rushing and brands are rushing. So they're forgetting to strategize and tune into themselves every once in a while. Yeah, it's about taking a step back from the day-to-day work and looking at things from the is it the ground up? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then working out what to do from there. I mean, that's the uh, basically the principles of strategy, isn't it? Like working out where you want to go and how you're going to get there. And the tactics are the how you're going to get there. So it's really interesting stuff. So you mentioned uh, you want to be sharing your story, but I wonder how should people be sharing the story, do you think? That's a good question. So uh, right now I'm actually doing an exercise in one of my courses and it's talking about creating our founder stories. So we are actually trying to dig deeper into our stories. So life stories, of course, but we want it to relate to our people that we're, we're marketing to. So we have to craft these stories in a way that they're very emotional. So of course, telling a good story, you wanna have the character and you want the character to be going on this journey. And you wanna make sure that you're emphasizing details of feeling in the areas you want them to feel. So if like the room was very cold, well, explain that a bit more, why is it cold? oh, well, you know, it. the room felt like it was frozen or something. Like you're trying to get a little bit more exaggerated. Oh, there's ice like freezing up on the, the window sill, And, you know, there's there's frost and, and my, my voice feels like dry and crackly. So you're trying to really uh, enhance the description of the problem or how this person was feeling. And in terms of crafting the stories, you don't have to say like the whole story, but really pinpoint and get direct on what you're trying to convey. So uh, I'm actually working on my stories, but they're actually super hard to condense. Like there is no right or wrong answer. You can make it as long as you want, but the ideal is to have at least three stories that you could use on your about page or within your content marketing because that's a way to get people engaged and to get people to follow you, subscribe to you or buy from you, however you want to approach it. But it's a tactic that really helps people to connect with your brand. Brilliant. And that's what we're here to talk about. So (laughs) I love how we've gone full circle there. So (laughs) there's two key points that I took from that. You want to show people, don't tell them. So have them form an image of something in their head, whether that's the, I don't know, the, the, the water on the windows or the, the orange peel on your desk, which I've literally got right here. <laughs> um, yeah, and then number two is to get clear on what you want to convey. Is it key to have a story in mind that they will resonate more with or are you trying to tell them a story from your experience on the off chance that they might resonate with it. Do you know what I mean by the question? Yeah, you you want them to relate to you on a certain level. So, uh, for example, in my course, so the, the coach that I'm working with, her stories were in along about working a nine-to-five job. 
And she didn't want that for herself anymore. And she was uh, tired of the corporate life. And she really dug deep into how she was feeling. So she felt like a robot. She was kept looking at the clock every 10 minutes. Um, she made excuses to go fill up her coffee so that time would go by. So she was really trying to hone into some of the feelings that people on a daily basis would feel. And then she made the transition of going off on her own. And basically, she was trying to resonate with other ladies that want to be on their own and be entrepreneurs. So that was kind of her story. Uh, that's one of her stories. She has two other ones. But basically, she was just highlighting the feeling aspect of it because the other ladies would be like, oh, yeah, I feel like that, too. And you know, I, I really want to join, you know, this group with you and, and follow along with your journey and help me out. So it's, you want to relate to them in some way, whether it's a situation that they've experienced too, and they, they want to connect with you because of that. There's so many aspects. The stories can, can go a whole different directions, depending how you want to craft it. But it, you really want to hone in on a realistic story because it's a bit more real instead of something that, you know, you drew out of a book or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking about working nine to fives, it sounds like that's a relatable story, like you say. And it sounds like she wants the, the end client to see themselves in that story and to relate to that and draw on those past experiences, which are probably negative experiences or they want to get away from that also so they want to become the entrepreneur and that's who they figure that she must be because she's already overcome those problems so i guess they see themselves in her and they want to elevate themselves up to her level does that make sense yeah that makes sense because basically how you want to tell the story is you want it to, it's like talking to your past self basically you want to have these people look up to you and say, yeah, I want, that's my next step. That's where I need to be. So I'm going to speak to this person because she knows what I have to do to get there. So that's kind of what I mean in terms of being relatable. You're just talking to your past self. Yeah. And I like that you brought that up because I heard a coach say recently that we all want to work with our past selves, and I think it's kind of true. I mentor uni students, and I wish I'd had a mentor at that time in my life, but I didn't. And I kind of want to help that <laughs> that Tony from 10 years ago get to where I am now, because I, I don't know, I can empathize with that person, you know? Oh, yeah, correct. And and really, it's just because you have a lot of experience under your belt. So if if say you're going to work with somebody that's, you know, a, a 10, 10 years ago, Tony, then that's perfect, because you know what you have to do, right? You know how to get this person up to your level. And they see you as a mentor. So I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're a nice bunch. Usually they've got um, a range of questions, but the, the latest two are talking about business stuff, which is brilliant because I can talk about business all day. Love it. If the ideal is to form an emotional connection with the prospect, then what happens when we don't? Oh, when we don't uh, align with them, then they're not your ideal person. 
all they'll do is just, it would just be a bounce back to them in my opinion. And, and, and trying to win them over is, is not really that your time and energy really it's not, you just keep doing what you always do. And people will come to you like a magnet because you are attracting a certain crowd of people that can relate to you and you, they know that you can help them. So if those other people can't relate to you emotionally on that, that type of level, then it's okay. It's not for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So we can't serve everyone and we shouldn't be serving everyone. Of course not. (laughs) And that's what my, uh, that, that was what my coach was saying. She, she told me you can't serve everyone. It's impossible. And you need to focus in on the right people first that you want to serve. So your ideal person, and then you can expand from there afterwards and expand again. But to start off right now, niching down to a certain audience that you think that you can serve and that you're passionate of serving them, then go for it. And then from there, if you wish to expand more, then of course you can. But it always look back to your brand strategy before taking that step. And I guess if you focus on the people that you want to serve, you're going to be feeling a lot better about working with those people. That's correct. Uh, I, I've learned that a lot in terms of my past because I've, I've worked for companies that I didn't really feel much passion towards. And now that I've really learned just this past summer that feeling passionate and working for what you're passionate about is what really counts and what really brings that drive and something that you can relate to too, or a cause that you want to help, right? You want to support. So that's what really matters. And many designers, they, they forget, they just want to serve everybody but sometimes you need to kind of look back and say, okay, what am I truly passionate about that's outside of design and that I want to help? And from there, you can think of all sorts of ideas. I suppose that just goes for general business owners as well. Yes. Yeah, as well. They, again, you, you can serve everybody. You can be a generalist, but I think it's just much harder uh, that way because the market's just already clustered with all sorts of people so it'd be nice to just hone in on something and then be known for that and expand from there i i agree um not everyone agrees like the last guest i had on before you christina was a chap called nick and he's doing pretty well for himself He's got a big following on LinkedIn, like 11,000 people or so, and he's really smashing it. And he's not niched down, and he's against niching down because he thinks that, well, his philosophy is that he wants to reach as many people as possible because all those people with second connections to their connections, they might know someone else that needs his help. And I think he's of the opinion, which is fair enough, that he doesn't need to niche down because he's got enough business anyway. But then I think it's definitely... Personally, I think it's definitely a good thing because it becomes a lot easier to find those people. I was talking to a mentee recently about this and explaining that if you go fishing in a lake, it's a lot easier to know which fish you want because then you can go to that corner of the lake where they hang out and look for the fish there. Otherwise, you just go 
sit anywhere at any part of the lake and try and catch any odd fish and it yeah it can be a bit of a struggle oh yeah hey i guess it really depends on the person if they can serve all those people or they have a good following they have a good client list basically of people that they've worked with in the past and and still stay connected with then that's great but i know for someone like me i want to keep things super simple i i don't want to be everywhere because i get overwhelmed with all of that so honing in on something small and then growing up from there seems to make sense in my eyes yeah and mine too i found it a lot easier to find a certain um, target market just by defining that target market and then reaching out to those people on linkedin it's become a lot easier i think before it was like a needle in a haystack because there was so much opportunity that i didn't know what to do and you'll know with your experience in design that constraints can be a good thing because it, it forces you to narrow down your options and think about what you can do within those options and sometimes it's ironically easier to come up with ideas when you've got those constraints yes i agree because if it, if something's too broad then you just get lost. You don't know where to start. So for me, if there's some sort of structure in your strategy, then that will help you figure out what your next step is and what your goals are. For sure. I've run out of questions and I wonder, would you like to bounce this back and put, I'm going to put you on the spot. What would you ask me if you've got any questions for me? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> nice turning the tables. <laughs> I like to every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. This is a good question, maybe. So what do you think in regards to some businesses nowadays going deeper in science to try and really bring out emotion in people? I've actually read an article about this in terms of eye tracking and facial cord, uh, coding, I think it was, facial co- uh, coding and activating emotions in humans. So what do you think about that? Do you think that we're kind of going a little, um, I guess, off off the uh, edge of this, I guess you could say? Are you concerned that it's a bit manipulative? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like it's it's okay. a bit like forceful. Yes. Are these people aware about this stuff happening or is it going on without them knowing? I feel like it, it's they don't know about it. And this is something that they do behind the scenes, in my opinion. It was just something I, I read a couple uh, weeks ago and it kind of freaked me out a little bit because it's like we're they're going to turn us into robots or something. Like they're thinking about... <laughs> oh yeah, like we're going to have her, you know, follow this commercial or something. And I want her eyes to look at this and then this, and then move on to this. It's just, it's so forceful. I don't know. Yeah. I think personally, I'm, and I'm not an expert in science whatsoever. So I've got very limited thoughts and knowledge on this subject, but I think that They've been doing this for a long time already in places like supermarkets. I don't know how it is. You're in Canada, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the UK, we've got loads of supermarkets. They're everywhere. And you walk in and they put, I know this from having worked in one for six years, they put the things they want you to buy at eye level. They put things that they kind of want you to buy 
further up and they put things that you, they don't want you to buy at the bottom of the shelves. Right. I think it's that way around. So there is a manipulative element to it. They know basically what people are going to do with their attention, their eyeline, you know. They are very on the ball with that. And also they look at everyone going to the store. They record where they look with their eyes first. They record the way they walk around the store, where they walk, where they go. And they do that so they can learn more about them. So I think, honestly, this is something that's possibly been happening for a long time already. And it sounds like this is just a continuation of it. Oh, correct. Probably you're right. It's just, it's very, um, it's just very creepy, but I, I totally understand where they're, what they're trying to do. It's research. And obviously, you know, they have to use pawns, of course, <laughs> and um, it's only going to help better their brand, of course, and their sales because of the art direction and, and the staging and how they put everything together. Correct. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just a logical continuation of what's come before. And businesses are always going to look to make more profits, make more money and learn more about the customers so they can better serve them. So ethically, I see what you're saying that it might be a bit manipulative. And I, I think I agree. Um, but I also think that it's progress and we can't necessarily stop progress unless we are, you know, we have a seat at that table in that business. So, yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. I know for me, I feel just the same as you. It's it's one of those, you know, I I I don't mind it, but then I I do mind it. (laughs) It's one of those just teeter totter things. But I I wanted to share that with you. I thought that was something interesting. And who knows what what could happen now, because we have higher technology now that could probably track more things. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, do we? Is there anything else you'd like to chat about before we leave it for today? Mm, all I can say is just hope that you're you're staying safe over there. Yeah, absolutely fine, thanks. I think we're into level three lockdown, whatever that means again. Honestly, I lost all sense of time and space and energy a long time ago, so I've got no idea what's going on now. <laughs> and that's exactly how I like it. So I'm just kind of wrapped up in my little flat with the heating on and my blanket over my legs. Oh, so, oh so I know good. that feeling. <laughs> Same way for you. All right. Well, yeah, that's pretty much all I had, just that one little thing. But yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, where can people find out more about you, Christina? Uh, so you can find me just on Instagram at ctestana. And you can find all my additional links there within my bio. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And please join me again on the newly renamed Building Expert Brands. So, for now. <laughs>